0: We will dive into how to make health, family, home, spirituality, productivity, and entrepreneurship more easeful. Incredible friends and guests will come by for inspirational conversations, valuable shares, and real strategies so you can plan for your best life. My name is Mia Moran. I'm a mother of three, a wife, an entrepreneur, a coach, and your host. I wear a lot of hats, and I am committed to leading a balanced life and sharing all that I have learned, and am learning with you. You're ready? Let's flow. Hey, hey, welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. I am so excited to be diving into our topic today. It's actually one that's kind of near and dear to my heart, which you'll hear in my conversation But here's what I'm thinking about. If we can be gluten-free and caffeine-free and dairy-free, and you might not be all those things, but if you've hung around here, you know that we talk about these things, we think about these things. We wonder if they're the thing that will help either something that we're struggling with or our kid is struggling with. And so sometimes we try these things. Then why can't we be alcohol-free? And I notice that like when parties, like work parties for corporations, and I'm just thinking specifically of my husband's work right now, then there's always questions about food and and people are starting to tend to this idea of dairy-free and gluten-free. And most of those situations pretty much revolve though still around alcohol. So if that's something that you're thinking about being free of, (laughs) it's really hard. So today I am talking with my new mastermind friend. I'm so excited for you all to meet her, Carolina uh, Radzkowalska. I hope I just said that right, Karolina. Um, she's a certified alcohol-free life coach. Isn't that the coolest job? And she teaches all about how to go alcohol free. And she supports women in not only doing this, but really making it so that they can find the purpose and passion and joy that they're using to fill alcohol with. So it's about more than just quitting alcohol. It's about really living that life that lights you up. And you'll love, you'll love hearing from her because you can tell how she's really good at this. So you don't have to have a problem with alcohol to reconsider how it affects your life. And this was a big, big wake-up call for me. I've been surrounded in my life. I've known a lot of people who have like really had to give up alcohol and have joined 12-step programs. And I think there's a lot of power in that. And I think it makes just normal people think that that they it's okay, like they should just be able to do it and it should be fine. So even small amounts of alcohol can affect energy and sleep and how we feel. And I definitely started to notice this more and more in motherhood and now. I'm about to say as I'm aging, <laughs> that makes me sound really old, which I'm not that old. But as I've as I've navigated my 40s and I'm I'm getting closer to 50, um, I still got three years. But as I get do that, I just notice like my energy is different. We've talked a lot about hormones around here, and that's real. And alcohol most definitely affects those. So I wanted to have Carolina on for anyone who just wants to hear a little bit about why this may be something to consider and you know, how you might navigate that in an easier, more easeful way, which is what we're all about around here. So we're going to get Carolina on in one minute. But before I do that, I just have an announcement, which is that you can now officially sign up for Make December Matter. And I am so, so excited. So head on over and grab your free ticket. Yes, it's free, but this is how it works. Okay. So first of all, it's an amazing Event and I might just press go on a solo episode just to give you like a preview of all the things so you can really start to get excited and understand. But the general gist of it is we're going to do some painting a picture of like what could be possible in December and what's possible when December is amazing because when december is amazing and not the like where when you throw in the towel so we can throw in the towel all sorts of ways in december and actually this episode very much ties in to one of the ways which is we can just be like uh oh, whatever lots of parties lots of alcohol i'll deal with it in january lots of parties lots of food i'll just deal with it in january we've spent too much money on presents but we'll just deal with it in january we're running around like crazy people and saying yes to people who were we we don't even normally see, but it's the holidays. So we're going to see them and we're exhausted and we're fighting colds, but we're going to see them anyway. Like right, December can be a little bit crazy. We can throw in the towel on our work for all those entrepreneurs out there um, and feel like, you know, we either need to work, work, work until January 1st, and we don't get that vacation that our the rest of our family is taking. I have fallen into that camp many years or we can find that we give up on a goal because we haven't reached it yet in December. So there's all sorts of ways, all sorts of ways that the circumstance of December can really create some curves <laughs> in the way in the path that we're on. And so I find that when in November we get really conscious about that time and really create what we want, It's like this opportunity to up level before the new year even happens. And the space that you get from that just amplifies then what we can start talking about as we head into 2023. It's like a win, win, win. So, this is how we're doing it. We've done it different ways. This is the, I think it's the fifth year we're doing this. And we've done it different ways. We've done it a way where it's been one day. We've done it a way where it's been two or three days, and it's been a mix of recorded stuff and live stuff. Um, And last year, we did it for three afternoons from 12 to 6, I think, and it was all live. And I loved, loved, loved the all live part. Day three was was very full <laughs> was very it was very like by the end of day 3 i was like oh and on day 1 and 2 i was just so invigorated and i got so many comments from speakers and guests like how amazing it was for them as well and so we're going to do it again live and we're going to do it for 2 days. So we're constantly learning and evolving and it's going to be the 17th and the 18th of November and you should definitely come. And on the first day, when we're in the we're we're going to be diving in a lot about self-care. So this ties into self-care too, but we're also going to be talking about food and, you know, how we're navigating our consumption during the holidays and we're going to talk about alcohol and we're going to make a plan for what we want to drink or not drink. And so this is a really important conversation to listen to for that. All right. So it's going to be so full of goodness. And the goal is that by the end is that you really have your plan. We have this amazing workbook that I'm so excited about. It's kind of like a workbook meets magazine. And you'll be able to pull out the pages that you really want to utilize and use. And the book you could even go to Staples and Y Row Bound will send you a PDF is like hundred pages of goodness so you can join us for the two days for free um, we really want this to be something that as many people as possible can come to so we're offering it that way so if you're looking out on your calendar and you want to have a light day of work or you want to take those times off or you want to figure out how to get your work done early or you want someone else to pick up the kids like do that do give yourself this gift of of making this plan so that December is just different. It's different than it's been. It's not stressful. It's not overwhelming. It is joyful and peaceful and connecting and however you want it to be. We're going to make that plan for you. And we're going to give you lots of tools uh, to really get there and lots of time to make your plan. Okay? So that's happening the 17th and the 18th of November. And again, you can go sign up at plansimple.com. There'll be lots of ways. There'll be a bar at the top, a pop-up window, um, and you can go grab your seat. I think you can also go to plansimple.com slash make December matter. That's another way to get there. All right. So that is coming up and I cannot, literally cannot wait. It's going to be so fun. Um, by the way, if you're listening and you're like, I can't come on the 17th and the 18th for a very small price, I think if you do it right away, it's $47. If you wait a little bit, it's $97, but that's the most it will be. Um, and it's definitely worth that and more. You can get the the replays and I'll, whether you can come live to pieces or not, um, the replay allows you to see it on your own time and we'll, we'll be chopping it up into little like the little pieces um, so that you can also come in... And, and do some of the tools. So a lot of it's going to be really, um, really active. So like coming in and doing a breathing exercise, there'll be an amazing meditation. There might be more than one meditation um, that you can utilize also. It'll relax you on this day and you can utilize it in December. So we're we're giving you a lot of tools that you'll be able to revisit. And if you want to be able to do that, then besides just taking really good notes on the live day, then you can upgrade to be able to do that. All right. All right. That's the full story. That was more than I was going to say, but that is the full story. And I'm really excited. And now that we're getting into some of the topics that we're going to cover on those days in the podcast, um, I'm really excited to keep talking about it. All right. So let's get Carolina on the show. um, And let's really unpack if you're excited about this idea of, of what life could be like without that 5 o'clock craving or 4 o'clock craving or 12 o'clock craving or whatever it is of for wine or 7 o'clock craving or whatever your drink is of choice. Um, Or, so maybe that's not your story. Maybe it's that, especially as we head into the holiday season, you know, you just feel like if you go to a party, you have to have that beverage in your hand, even when you don't really want it. Um, There's lots of different reasons that we might want to look at this. So if you're being curious about what life would be like with less alcohol, with no alcohol, Um, or if you're just like unaware of what how it's affecting you this is really a great one to listen to all right so with no further ado let's get the amazing carolina on the show hello carolina welcome to the plan simple podcast oh thank you so much i'm so excited to be here today all right. Well, we are going to dive deep into this topic, which I'm so excited to be covering. And it's funny because I have shared my story around alcohol before on the podcast, but we've never actually gotten somebody on who like does this <laughs> for a living. So I'm so excited to have you here because you're going to enlighten so much. So I don't even know if I told you this before we press record, but... I decided like I don't know maybe it was 3 or 4 years ago. I wasn't particularly like heavy drinker, but I noticed that when I had wine at night, like I was a lot less connected to all the things I wanted to be connected to during my work day. <laughs> and so one day I was like, you know what? I don't think this is worth it. And so I just stopped and it's funny like there've definitely been moments where I've been like, "Oh, I wish like I had that." For me, it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. And so I share that a lot just with my audience when people are thinking about not drinking, but I come from a family that alcoholism was really a thing. So, you know, it's like I have both, I definitely have both ends of the spectrum like I understand both, but I have not You know, had much alcohol in the last four years. So it's been a really cool experiment. And I always thought of it as an experiment. I never, I don't know that it's a permanent thing, but it has certainly helped me focus during days when I was working and kids were home during the pandemic and all the different things. So tell us, like, let's, I don't even know where to start. I feel like there's so much goodness that you have. So can we start with, like, tell us a little bit about you? Tell us how you got into this. And then let's get into some of the nitty gritty about alcohol
1: yeah so i love you share just now because it really comes this intuitive choice you know and i think we grow up with this horrible paradigm around alcohol it's like it's either a free-for-all because you're a normal drinker and you're doing it responsibly or you have a massive problem and only then should you look at alcohol and when we have these like binary dualistic views on alcohol we're actually not really taught to reevaluate like how does it affect my, you know, how I feel, my energy levels, my sleep, you know, even if it's a small amount, right? Like it doesn't have to qualify as a problem to be able to have your intentionality and intuition look at it. And so I think I was like kind of grappling with that struggle for so long because I had come to the conclusion just like you alcohol wasn't serving me i hated my monday mornings you know i usually did this pretty healthy lifestyle monday through thursday so monday through thursday i was drinking my green (sighs) juice i was going to yoga classes i was doing all the healthy things and then i would just like go out or drink over the weekend and you know every day that weekend and then by monday it's like i got hit by a truck you know i just feel horrible on monday And I woke up and I was like, oh my God, I can't do this again. And yet I couldn't give myself the permission to actually try a break from alcohol because I was so stuck in this idea of like, well, but if I do that, will everyone think I have this huge problem? And, you know, I wasn't even drinking every day. So, like, how could I even go there? Obviously, sometimes I drink way too much too. So, it's not like it was this innocent thing either. But it just kept me really stuck for a long time. And then, kind of like you, I just decided, hey, wait a minute, let's just experiment here. What if I just try to break? And so, my first break was with January, which really helped to validate the choice for me. It was like, okay anyone asks, I have this really good, you know, thing to say. It's dry January. People do it instead of feeling kind of like, you know, oh, I have to explain myself and what my relationship with alcohol looked like. And so that dry January was the first time I really allowed myself to not drink for an extended period of time. And I honestly fell in love. I fell in love with how I slept every day. I fell in love with how I felt in the morning. I fell in love with the sense of integrity and pride I felt for myself. You know, I didn't wake up kind of Hating myself or feeling ashamed, or just like, oh, Carolina, you know, you have a presentation today. Why did you choose to, you know, drink last night? Like, just those feelings of remorse and regret were just, it was silent. It was blissful. It was peaceful. And so I really, really enjoyed it, but I didn't actually yet believe that that's something I could continue doing in my life. I still had this really strong belief that normal yeah. adults drink. And so if I wanted to be a normal adult, I had to drink. And so I drank a few times in February. And it was really the contrast that just hit me over the head. Even just two drinks, I like, I felt frustrated. I felt higher anxiety. I couldn't sleep very well. I was like, this isn't worth it. This sucks. And so I decided to take another break at that point. And here we are. Four and a half years later, where I couldn't be just more passionate about helping other women go alcohol free, experiment with breaks, and really not only find, you know, freedom and confidence away from alcohol and using it as a coping mechanism, but kind of then discover what missing piece alcohol was being used for in the first place, whether it's more fulfillment or more freedom, or more balance, or more impact in their lives, and really kind of unleash their greater purpose in that sense. So that's kind of my story in a nutshell. But you know, I really say that I I serve intuitive women, because I think it's the most intuitive women, just like you, who listen to this little voice that's saying, hey, there's more for you. And sometimes when there's more for you, it means letting go of the crap from our past. I love it. Okay,
0: so I feel like we all know if we're thinking that alcohol is an issue that like, we can sort of see how, you know, it gets in the way the next day, but I feel like there's this. And one of the reasons that I did it that I just want to say, since we're talking about this is because at the time I have three kids and they are now three teenagers. And I was just feeling like it was like this weird thing that like, they couldn't do it I could do it like I don't know it's just like this we and then like I felt like there's this societal thing that it's like good when they go off and sneak into it in high school like it was just like the messages were so messed up to me that I was like what if we were just like really clear about this and it wasn't a big deal to do it or not to do it like how would that affect the experience that we had at home so that was also part of my consideration just so you know But I feel like that moment at, you know, seven, some people listening might be, what are you talking about, Mia? It's like three in the afternoon when you're just like tired. The kids, if you have younger kids, they've been running around, you know, you're making dinner and it's just, it almost feels like this like self-care ritual to grab a glass of wine and relax and de-stress. So will you tell us a little bit about that? And is it helping us de-stress? Like And if it is like, you know, like just talk to that part
1: when it comes to alcohol, like we have to recognize that, you know, just like in any personal growth topic or issue, there is the assumptions we have around a reality, which are most of our thoughts and beliefs. And then there's reality itself. And oftentimes those things don't match up. Right. So when someone, you know, believes that they're not good enough or that they're not smart enough, like there's no proof out there in the universe that says so. Right. And so I take the same approach when it comes to alcohol. We've actually come to believe lots of things about alcohol, both from our exposure to it and just making, you know, almost flawed assumptions based on our exposure to it, based on society's messages around it, based on the cultural kind of significance it has. Just based on so many things, we come up with these assumptions around alcohol. Number one is alcohol relaxes me, right? And you could almost pinpoint that as most people's number one reason why they want to drink is like, well, alcohol relaxes me. I deserve to relax at the end of the long day, spinning so many plates every single day, like I just need to turn off. And so I totally fell into that boat. You know, it's super, super normal. However, something that really changed my mind was really looking into the neuroscience of how alcohol affects the brain and what it's really doing. Because once I've learned that, I was like, oh my gosh, I never want to touch that. That was really not relaxing me. So alcohol is so interesting. It's a depressant and it slows our central nervous system down. So in that first few moments, it feels like you're slowing down and, you know, neuroscientists will actually even say it's slowly destroying your cells not just slowing them down right so that feeling Mm -hmm. of a buzz is actually that feeling and at the same time because everything's being slowed down our body has this counterbalancing process where you know we can't completely slow down and be sedated into you know nothingness that it forces out all of these stress hormones into our body and these are all scientifically proven and written about in studies and different things around alcohol cortisol is released in our body, adrenaline is released in our body, dynorphin. And dynorphin is an interesting one. It's kind of, I like to think of it as the opposite of endorphins. It literally is this neurochemical that makes us not only feel stressed, but also really low, really like kind of depressed and sad, and especially like self-loathing. And so, any drink, even one drink, will release those stress hormones, right? And oftentimes, because we keep maybe having another glass, or you go to bed, you don't really feel the effect until the next morning. And that's why, like, nobody wakes up the next day, even if they didn't like drink too many to get sick. Nobody wakes up the next day actually feeling good after drinking, right? And you can feel yeah. that extra stress. You can feel the anxiety. You can just feel like the like the worrisome to dos are just like in your brain, and you know that the relaxation that you tried last night didn't actually relieve any stress or the things that were on your plate, you know, it just prolonged them. Now you compounded your stress the next day. And then studies actually show too that when we are exposed to alcohol, and they use the word chronically, but chronically just means like every week, you know, which is a pretty normal exposure level for most people, it changes the neurological functions of our brain in that we actually experience much more stress and less ability to handle that stress when we're not drinking. So even if alcohol hasn't been involved you know, since the weekend or something, it's a Wednesday, you still will feel so much more stress neurologically and an inability to handle it. So like biologically speaking, I like to say drinking is not a 20 minute experience. It's a 48 hour experience, right? And we're so good at denying the rest of the effects. So is alcohol truly relaxing if it's actually making us feel wired? And sometimes you can experiment with this and just have one drink and then ascertain how you feel an hour or two later. You're going to be sluggish, you're going to be feeling kind of on edge, kind of weird. That's those stress hormones, right? And so what's really cool and important to recognize is that we've come to use alcohol as a ritual to relax. And I think that's a beautiful thing, the ritual to relax. Uh, there's this one study that they did where they put participants in a bar or restaurant and they put these little brain nodes onto their brain so they can capture their brain waves. And everyone's pretty stressed out. They're kind of racing around, they just came off work. And so their brain waves are kind of chaotic. And then everybody orders a drink. And all of a sudden their brain waves mellow out and they're nice, beautiful waves. Now here's the kicker though. Nobody actually drank the drink yet. They just ordered mm. a drink and their brain relaxed. So what that tells oh my me. God, I is love that, that. Right? We use alcohol as this permission to say it's finally okay to stop and settle down and slow down. And we could use anything in its place to do the same thing as long as that becomes habitualized. So, one of the easiest ways i work with women and help them change their habits at home is literally replacing and so there are right now thousands of alcohol-free beverages on the market they're so good there's such good alcohol-free beer alcohol-free wine spirits other concoctions things with neurotropics and coconut waters like you name it there's a zillion things out there that you could drink i always tell my clients find a drink you love and drink it and so that same permission that you want to relax you could literally pour yourself a mocktail and your brain will still have that placebo effect of thinking okay it's time to slow those brain waves down and relax obviously there's a lot of other rituals that we could do too you know we could have a yin yoga ritual we could go out on a walk and watch the sunset at night we could do so many other things that also give our brain that signal to relax so i do think the ritual part is actually very very important but right now with the ethanol it's not working
0: it's actually stressing us out more Oh my gosh. I love all of those that brain backing of this because that just validates. Yeah. That validates so much of what I was thinking. <laughs> so, once somebody decides that this might be like what they don't want to do, and the first step it sounds like is to keep the ritual, really probably acknowledge what the ritual is, which I'm imagining. I feel like that it's something that not maybe not everybody would be aware of like, oh, it's like every night at seven, I'm triggered and want the glass of wine. Or it's like, no, it's like at four, (laughs) you know, like, you know, that I'm trying to invite somebody over and give myself permission to have the glass of wine. So acknowledging sort of where that is in your life and then figuring out how to replace it. I just love that. So I'm repeating it out loud so that we all take that in. I feel like I didn't actually create a ritual at the end of the day, and I could see how even three years later, that would be an amazing thing to do. I think I might try tea. I like the idea of sitting at my table with a cup of tea like before like after work and before dinner, you know, and just having a switch, like having acknowledging that there's a switch in what I'm doing.
1: Exactly. It's just just like a decompression ritual where again, your brain is like, okay, you're off the hook. You've done your job today. Now we can, you know, relax and really switch off that sympathetic nervous system to the parasympathetic nervous system.
0: Yeah, I love it. Okay. So you have written a book about this. You teach programs about this. So tell us a little bit like what next, like you create this ritual, like what are the other things that start to come up as people really lean into, like, should we try it for, should we do an experiment for a certain amount of time? Like, how have you seen people have the most success with switching their habits around alcohol?
1: Absolutely. So, you know, recognizing first of all, that, like I said earlier, that we have all of these assumptions around alcohol, which I call beliefs that may or may not be serving us. And some are totally rooted in what we think is biological, like, oh, alcohol relaxes me or alcohol helps me sleep. Like you could just learn the science behind more around what alcohol is doing to your body and you'd be like, oh my gosh, alcohol is so bad for sleep. What was I thinking? You know, like some of those things can be easily changed. But I find that unless we change the mindset about the desires, the reasons why we actually like to drink and let's say everyone has around 10, maybe 15 reasons that we, even if we take a break from alcohol, we'll still feel deprived. We'll still feel like we're missing out or that we don't get our special treat. And so my work not only helps women commit to, you know the experiment of not drinking for a period of time with new rituals, new ways to take care of their needs, but really working on the mindset of why they like to drink and really holding up those reasons up to the light to see if they actually pass the test. You know, and some yeah. things are innocuous. Like I said, alcohol relaxes me, but other things are a little bit more tied into our self-sense of self-worth. For example, you know, if I drink I will fit in with my friends. Or, you know, if I drink, I don't have to worry about those feelings of not feeling good enough or something like that, like a numbing sensation. And so I have a process, an eight-step process that I include in my book and my signature program, Become Euphoric, of really getting so clear on what those beliefs are, because those are where the root of your desire lies on alcohol. Sometimes I'll work with a client and go back into their story, back into their teenage years to see what mental models they came up with around alcohol to form the relationship then, which might be different today, but still is kind of pulling the strings in the back of the subconscious. So for example, for me, I'm an introvert. I grew up very, very shy. I'm foreign. I grew up Polish, like just not your popular kid at school. And I was quiet, like, kind of like was with myself a lot. lot. And then as I turned 17 years old, I tried alcohol before, but at 17, I really really got the message that, oh my gosh, if you drink this beverage, you'll turn into a different person and you'll turn into a more talkative, sociable, popular person. And so I literally married to that idea. I went to college with a complete different personality of like, hey, I'm the fun one. I'm the wild one. You know, I love to talk. I love to hang out. I'm the rebel too. I attach that sense of rebelliousness, and independence to drinking, you know, that sense of sophistication as well, right? With some fancier drinks. And what I didn't realize that I did is that I had literally outsourced my confidence to a beverage, you know, so that me by myself was not confident and that I needed to actually have something in my hand to feel like I deserve to be there. And over time, that actually deteriorated my confidence because subconsciously it was like, nope, you're not good enough. Nobody wants to talk to you. You're not interesting. You have nothing good to say unless you have that drink in your hand. I also embarrassed myself. There's so many times where I drank and I said something out of character where I really drank too much. And I was just like, you know, it just wasn't pretty. And that I literally woke up feeling such large shame and just so self-loathing. And so as I really looked at this belief, alcohol makes me more confident. I really was like, there's so many holes in the story you know, like it's been deteriorating my self-esteem over time. It actually hasn't made me more sustainably, more confident, right? Because it doesn't work without alcohol. I literally, and even when I'm drinking, I feel not confident because I'm like, is there wine on my teeth? You know, did people, are people watching me? Did I say something slightly out of character? I'm never really, truly confident. And so once I like kind of debunked that idea, I started to figure out, okay, well, like confidence is something that I have to like find within and build within. And it was like a muscle that I just hadn't been working out for a very long time. And so I started practicing and you know, like the first few social occasions were a little awkward and whatnot. But like one, I learned that that is normal for humans to feel awkward when they meet people they've never met before. And two, that, like I can lean into those feelings and still practice that. And really that's what drove my confidence over time. And taking that break from alcohol was also such a huge confidence driver because I had never gone 30 days without alcohol. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm at 50 days. I'm at hundred days. And it was just surpassing any sort of limit I could ever have imagined. And that started to spill over into other areas of my life because it was like, if I could do this, like my Achilles heel, right? And I could do this and feel so happy about it. What else could I do? And I didn't really mention in my story earlier, but I used to work a nine to five job. I was pretty unfulfilled. I was waiting for the weekend every weekend to just have the only interesting thing in my life was to drink. I don't mean it like that attached, but it's still like, that's really essentially what it was, right? Like I can't wait to Friday until we can, you know, go out for happy hour or whatever. And so that confidence that spills over in my break from alcohol really gives me like not only the desires I've had on my heart to be an author, be an entrepreneur, but actually have the gumption to go after those things. Before that, I was just like sitting back, wishing and hoping something would just fall into my lap versus actually going for it. And in a very short period of time, I believe, I mean, it's been four years, like I've retired my husband, I travel to Europe whenever I want, I have a best selling book, you know, like life is just so black and white different from where it used to be. And it all was I love really changing those beliefs around alcohol, which really were these internal self limiting beliefs to begin with.
0: Yeah, I love that. And it's funny, because the second you started your story, I was like, oh, that was the one I was going to share, because I have the exact same story that I was super shy. And it became the thing that I was like a similar timing to in college. And I loved being with myself before college. Like, I mean, and now that I'm on the other side of that, and you know, and I have kids, and it's a little bit harder to find time to myself. But I'm like, now that i can reconnect with that piece that's like oh i'm really good like my intuition kicks in when i'm by myself and actually i have really wise words when i like give that time to myself and then i can go back out and say the wise words and i can see how all those times I just thought I would sound better or I don't even know what it was, you know, when it had whatever drink it was. And it's funny because I stopped sort of in a different phase because I already had had a company and I had three kids. And so for me, like I was having not a lot at the time, but I could see how it affected my work in the morning and I'm a really intuitive person. So when I'm coaching, I'm like totally tapping into the person on the other side. And I could see how it was getting in the way of that it was getting in the way of, you know, writing content. And it wasn't even that much. It was just, I couldn't, Access that important piece of me that I needed to access the morning after but also my kids I feel like I was responding and I know there's somebody else listening who might relate to this like, you know, it wasn't like I was like drunk I was just having a glass of wine sometimes, but it relaxed me enough that probably I was, you know, I was showing up in a good, relaxed way to them, which I think is really important, but I wasn't processing what I needed to process in order to do that. Like I wasn't really meeting them where they needed me to be. And so, you know, as i Did that like it was a lot of work, you know, it was a lot of work to like, be like, oh, this is where you are. And I'm not here to fix it. I'm here to be with you. (laughs) Like, you know, and just help because of my presence, even though, of course, I want everyone at school to be nice to you or whatever was happening that day, you know, and somehow, when it was those kinds of things coming up, you know, a glass of wine really took the edge off of like, even their relationships with friends or whatever was happening with school, and so it's so interesting how it just really, without it, it really makes it so that if we're gonna, we really have to confront our real feelings, and it's so worth it. On the other side, I guess, absolutely. The whole point and, of that long story.
1: And as you shared, you know, like those real feelings, like they are the barometers of what we want in our lives, what's off and unaligned in our lives. You know, like I always use the yeah. example, like someone could work a really stressful job and you know drink a few glasses of wine every night. And they could probably be on that hamster wheel for a really long time, you know? But if we remove the alcohol, and let's say that we remove the alcohol and there's a lot of uncomfortable emotions, it's not all happy, you know? My brand is called Euphoric because it's about how much over joy you get when you take a break from alcohol, how much just fulfillment and appreciation and gratitude you feel. But at first, if you remove the thing that was numbing your uncomfortable negative emotions, those are gonna pop up, right? And yet those are teaching someone something. So someone working that stressful job, like maybe they're in the wrong position, maybe they're in the wrong company, maybe they need to have more boundaries, maybe they're not doing the dream on their heart, they would never know if they continue numbing those feelings. And even in a micro way, obviously, that's like a huge life transition. But even in a micro way, you know, anytime we numb our emotions or feelings, we're missing the lesson, we're missing the little message of how to become even more aligned. So it's obviously it's very wholehearted work. And it's kind of I really respect Brene Brown for that reason. You know, She shares a lot about this vulnerable type of work. She herself is also alcohol free, right? So she's such a good expert yeah. on what it really looks like to lean in to these emotions and feelings and not subdue them, but work through them. Because they say that like, happiness is our natural state. As long as we allow ourselves to process all of our emotions, you know, like they need to be fully processed and then let go. And then you can go back to feeling happy again. But if we never let ourselves feel the frustration or the stress or the sadness or the ineptitude, whatever it is, then we won't ever get to that point.
0: Yeah. And I just want to take one minute to acknowledge, like for everyone listening, who's like, well, that's not even my issue. Like, I feel like everyone has something that's like that right? Like it might be Netflix, it might be Instagram. Like, I mean, there's so many different, it can be just like a cookie. Like there's so many different ways to not feel and it's so amazing how fast, like, you know, especially these days, I mean, I feel like actually alcohol is probably like it takes the longest to like go get a drink. There's so many things that we can like instantly numb with these days. And it's all the same. I mean, I think would you agree, like it's all similar in that sense that it's just there's so many different ways that we can not feel what we're
1: oh yeah exactly it's like we want to go back to our comfort zone and retreat there and it's just like no growth really happens there and we just distract ourselves from our life however i would just make the point that alcohol is the one that does change your neurochemistry a little bit more yes 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 more (laughs) more insidious than some of the others but yeah you know i mean it's this longing for comfort i think that essentially is what our bodies are looking for and, you know, respecting that and doing that in a healthier way will soothe us so much more, you know, than just the distraction, I believe. so again, it's like really becoming attuned to that. Okay,
0: so tell us a little bit. And then I want everyone to know how they could even take their first steps. But tell us a little bit about so once you're alcohol free, like, tell us about what that enables for people like what is that or you know, once you are sort of able to process your emotions, and you're getting to that more euphoric state, like just paint the picture for someone who can't Quite see what that might lead to for them, what you've noticed in yourself and your clients that that leads to. We saw what it leads to for you this amazing lifestyle, but. Tell us more about that.
1: Yeah. So in my book, I like to categorize it by body, mind, and soul because it's just easier to understand. But first of all, like there's a lot of health changes that happen. And so immediately alcohol is one of the worst disruptors to sleep. So immediately like sleep will really, really improve. Your energy levels will go up. A lot of really cool internal things happen. Like they have studies that prove that your cholesterol will go down, your blood pressure will go down, your liver will heal, your brain matter grows, and all of these things actually translate to like your well-being, how you feel on a daily basis. So like this, like literal, like you wake up singing with the birds. It's not just like a joke. It's, it's really a physical reaction to taking a break from alcohol. And then the mind, you know, is really, I think that you come to Instead of, you know, beating yourself up about, you know, this habit that you're not happy with, or, you know, numbing emotions, you really start to engage in what I call a practice of self love. And really, by taking a break from alcohol, it's like you're showing yourself that self love every single day, right? Because my favorite definition of self love is looking out for future you, you know, so when I was drinking, present me didn't give a shit about future me, right? She's like, Oh, she'll have to just deal with that tomorrow. That's not my problem. Right. And so that was one of the most beautiful ways I cultivated that self love is like, I'm going to look out for future me, you know, so that when I wake up the next day, I feel loved and I feel cared for. And really resolving all those mental self limiting beliefs that are specifically to do with alcohol will fundamentally also change about how you think of yourself and your self worth. And so that leads literally to more self-love, more self-respect, more valuing your worth, which I think is really important. You know, drinkers have tendency to have lower self-worth just because they tell themselves every single day, it's okay not to feel my best. It's okay not to feel amazing, right? Like I don't deserve that in a sense. And then in the soul aspect, I think we get so much more connected to a sense of creativity, like you're mentioning our intuition clarity confidence appreciation and you know you mix those emotions that really are coming up in such a strong way when you're alcohol free along with the confidence and courage i mean let's just say it you have to be pretty courageous to be alcohol free in this society people will judge you people ask questions people will assume you had a problem all the things and so it takes i think a lot of courage not only to tell your friends or share about it even just to order a mocktail at a bar takes courage and you take that Heightened sense of creativity, connection to your intuition, courage. And I think that's where people start to see that a lot of the other things that they believed were impossible in their lives become possible. And so, like I mentioned, you know, had the experience of writing a book, launching a business, but that is actually the typical story for my clients. They will go back and change careers. They will become coaches themselves. They'll launch a business themselves. Some of them go after a long held dream that they just never gave themselves permission to go. So, for example, I have one client quit her corporate job and moved to France for a year and she's just having fun exploring France with her family and she's actually writing a memoir about the entire experience when she comes back she's going to have a full memoir about it that she can you know share and hopefully get published and it was just something that like she always wanted to do but it just in the scope of her life with the responsibilities she had on her plate just didn't seem like she was something ever she would be allowed to do, right? Like even if the logistics were possible. It's I love like, to just go do that. And so, like, it's just like that, that permission that we give ourselves to go after these possibilities that we denied ourselves before we didn't believe were possible, because going alcohol free just opens all these doors in our brain. And it also changes our identity because our brain literally was locked into this identity before. If I'm a drinker, I drink when I socialize, I drink at night, whatever it is, it has this identity. And then you go and you scramble that. You scramble that. And now you're like, now you're not drinking. Now you're a non-drinker, you're alcohol-free, or you're taking a break, whatever words you use. And your brain is super confused. And it's at that moment that literally anything else about your identity can change. You didn't think you were a morning person. Now is the time, right? That you can actually completely change that and fall into a different identity where you do believe that you are. And I think it's just that sense of all doors opening, you know, and that sense of possibility that just leads people to discover what their greater purpose is and then go after that. And I think something so beautiful about something that you do and that, you know, so many of our peers do is that we went through our experiences for a reason. We went through our challenges for a reason. We learned the hard lessons for a reason. Because I really believe that happiness is when we help other people find their happiness, you know? And that contribution is often this huge missing part of our lives. Where not only is our growth important, but our growth is important so that we can then turn around and help the woman behind us. And I think finding that missing piece of fulfillment is so important and just so missing in our society today. And once you get there, I mean, literally alcohol has just become the smallest little thing in the rear view window. You know, when I look at everything in my life or my clients' lives, like alcohol is irrelevant. It's insignificant. Like this is real meaning, you know? And that was just a band-aid for
0: the things that I didn't even know I was yearning for. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So good. And I almost want to end there, but I have one more question, which is, I feel like one of the things that gets in the way is the whole culture that came up around 12 step programs. And I feel like that's a thing, like it must be really bad if you're having to give up drinking. Do you have anything to say on that? Just because I think that I'm sure I'm not the only one who has that like little thing. I mean, I had it the whole time I was like, I was scared to say it out loud. And I literally teach about health. And I was like, why am I nervous to say this out loud? Of course, it's fine. Like, I feel so good right now. Why would I not share this?
1: yes i think you're spot on is that that paradigm of either normal drinker or alcoholic drinker which really did become paradigm from the 12-step program is holding people back because if you're not falling into the i'm hiding vodka in my desk you know stereotype which <laughs> no one really is you know what i mean like it's just such a small percentage like most people this is an interesting statistic most people are not heavily addicted to alcohol right like that stereotype of the alcoholic however most drinkers over drink so that it's gray area that complicated thing that you know using something to serve your needs that's not very helpful like. Everybody's has that going on, you know, and the statistics just show that. And I think more people are coming out to just say so. Like alcohol is just not serving me, so I do think yeah. that that dualistic thinking, like either you're normal or you're alcoholic, is holding people back. I was held back for probably five years of consciously knowing I didn't like this habit in my life, but what am I supposed to do? Go to AA meetings? Like that just didn't. I could not compute that right. right? Like it was the only way. And so yeah. What's really cool is in the last, I would say, seven years, we have this what's called the new alcohol free movement, where it really is guided by wellness and this idea that like, You know, if we could be gluten-free, if we can be caffeine-free, dairy-free, all the things, why couldn't we be alcohol-free? Like, it's one of the most toxic things that we ingest. Like, there should be no questions about it, right? And I believe literally any reason under the sun is valid to reevaluate your relationship with alcohol. You could want to sleep better. You could want to lose some weight. You could want to get healthier you could want to be a better role model for your kids or just wanting to be more present with them. You know, like it doesn't matter what the reason is. And I honestly don't care how much someone drinks. Someone could drink 10 drinks a day or one drink a week. If their intuition is saying that there is a better way and that there's more for you, then it's really worth exploring that voice because your intuition is literally never wrong and she's not gonna lead you in the wrong way. So I hope people can just like open their eyes and see that there's so many more options today. There isn't this black and white dualistic thinking. If you don't want to think that way, there's so many different communities and places and groups. And I mean, I just was in New York city for an incredible mocktail event where I was the speaker and everyone was just having such a great time. Like this has really become a modern fun thing. And I really think of like really introspective, you know, empowered women leading it because where does alcohol really fit in an empowered lifestyle i really can't figure that out myself so i just see my heroes not drinking i see tony robbins not drinking i see brene brown i see gabby bernstein i see deepak chopra they're all non-drinkers i mean like i feel like there's something there and you know to think it's a weakness is really an outdated idea
0: oh i love it oh my gosh thank you so much tell everybody how they can find you like tell us where to get the book where we can get in conversation what our next step with you might be i'm so excited for anyone listening who wants to kick their own drinking habit to get supported
1: absolutely so you can find more information at euphoricaf.com i'm always running programs for women at different levels of the journey I have a dry boot camp program. And then my signature program is called Become Euphoric. It's a four-month group coaching program to make alcohol insignificant. I work with people who are past, you know, already alcohol-free and want to find their deeper purpose and new coaches who want to launch alcohol-free businesses. So it's just the whole gamut of the journey. I love serving women who are just waking up to their potential as it relates to removing this thing that isn't serving them any longer. And I think it's this metaphorical change the universe is trying to give us you know like if you want the things you really want you got to let go of the things that aren't serving you and i really really believe that my book euphoric ditch alcohol and gain a happier more confident you you could just type in euphoric on amazon or go to euphoricbook.com
0: awesome thank you so much for being here today this was amazing no thank you i'm so honored to be here all oh, right. right. At the end of every episode, we always share three doable changes so you can take what you've heard and you can put it into action. Because action is how change happens, right? But here's the thing. Very often, especially the people who come into this community, we're craving big changes changes. We want to really improve our lives in various ways. And that can feel really big. So when we start to think about taking action, we think that the action has to be really big. But I have seen over and over and over and over again, so many times in my own life and in the lives of hundreds of clients, that it is the little things that add up to make the big changes. I have seen it over and over again. So at the end of every episode, we always share three doable changes so that you can choose one of them and really weave it into your life in the next couple of days, see how that really serves you, and then move on to the next one, either from a different episode or if two here really resonate you. You can move on to the next one here. All right. So here are three doable changes for my conversation with Carolina. Number one, examine why you drink. Make a list of the reasons you drink, and then really look at each one through a new lens. Is drinking really doing what you think it's doing for you? That might mean learning more about how alcohol affects your brain and your body, and Carolina totally dished out some really eye-opening statistics in this episode, and you can keep digging. Or it might mean questioning your own beliefs such as the one that Carolina and I shared both of us had in common, which is that alcohol makes me more confident. That is one that I really had to play with and take time to unwind and practice, okay? Number two, create a new relaxation ritual. This is for you if you use alcohol to relax. And you might think about creating a new ritual for yourself. And this could simply be replacing whatever your alcoholic beverage of choice is with a non-alcoholic version, right? So you're having that same wine glass, but with sparkling water or kombucha or whatever it is that you're wanting to drink. It could mean something totally different, right? So you could play around with what it's like to have a whole new relaxation ritual like a cup of tea before dinner or lighting a candle and taking breaths at a time way before dinner so you're relaxed before you even have that stress moment. Or you could close the door and have a quiet moment before you gather everyone for dinner so that you're really reset and you're not relying on the alcohol to do that for you, because as you learned from this episode, it might not be doing that for you. All right, I love that one, by the way, and we're going to be diving into so many relaxation rituals in Make December Matter. So if you're listening to this in real time, definitely go sign up for that. Okay, number three: experiment and notice. Just try a dry month. See what that does. If that feels like too much, much. I'm losing my words here. If a dry month feels like too much, then start with a week, right? That might be way more doable. And here we are talking about doable changes. Notice how you feel after waking up in the morning when you haven't had a drink at night. Notice how you sleep. Notice your energy levels during the day. And you may also start to notice when you want a drink during the day and play, pay attention to that. And just notice what's going on. Like, what are you thinking? What's going on in your body? What do you really want? The more curious you can get with this experiment, the better. And by the way, if part of the experiment is that one day, by accident, you have a glass of wine, just get curious and notice. Sometimes we need those contrasts to really understand what's happening, right? So we're experimenting and noticing and getting curious and ditching all that judgment. All right, you all, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you know a woman who wants a little more simple and a lot more flow, share this episode and send them over to the Plan Simple website to download our free course. And if you can find a five minute window today between meetings in the carpool line while you're eating your lunch, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. This one action plays such a big part in helping other women find us. And I have so much gratitude for you in advance. So thank you so much. Until next week, dream big, plan from your heart, and have a great day.